0: Muscle. So much coffee.
1: Life is purpose. Me llamo Ryan Bomberger. And, and i mia am... esposa Seyama.
2: And I am Bethany Bomberger.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll speak some English up in here. But see, today is El Cinco de Mayo, but in our house, we call it
2: Cinco de Rayo.
1: It is my birthday.
2: And every year for the last 20 years, we've called it Cinco de Rayo. It never gets old. <laughs> and I speak Spanish with a French accent. <laughs>
1: It's not my fault. It's okay. But you know what? I'm New Yorkian. Feliz cumpleaños a mi, and I am so happy that I'm alive. I am blessed beyond, 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 mi amor, tambien. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to celebrate El Cinco de Rayo, and the way that we're going to celebrate that is talking about adoption. Yay! Because I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a courageous birth mom, who not only gave me the gift of life, but gave me the gift of adoption. But if I didn't have two parents, Henry and Andrea Bomberger, who love the mess, not just out of me, but all 13, count them, Mm -hmm. 13 kids, 10 of us. Were adopted. Yes.
2: Yeah, so today is a very special show because we're just gearing up for Sunday, which will be Mother's Day around the nation. And Saturday is Birth Mother's Day around Woo-hoo. the nation when we really acknowledge the courageous decision that so many women have made to make a plan, a loving plan of adoption. So today we're celebrating you, my dear. Arita, the yes! love of my life. Oh. Daddy to my kiddos. We will be celebrating with everybody else around the nation on Sunday. We will be celebrating mothers, in which case I will then be celebrated in this house. And I'm so excited because... I know the kids did a little something with you, and I have yet to hear it.
1: Mothers should be celebrated every single day. Not just one day out of the year, because, you know, moms put forth a little bit of effort, Mm. if you haven't, you know, noticed.
2: Yes, this is true. Like,
1: 24-7, self-sacrificing, just give and give and give. Well... So let's just jump right into this. Many people have not heard actually directly from my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom, who has raised 13 children, my mom and my dad who raised 13 children, 10 of us were adopted. And many people hear about my mom and my dad through me, through the speaking events, whether college campuses or conferences. But it is such a rarity that people get to actually hear directly from the woman who changed so many lives.
2: Yeah, and it's very special because... She's not one to do any public speaking. She'll never speak um, highly of herself or the things that she's done. She's such a humble woman, but she carries so much wisdom that she's a woman worth listening to. So we welcome Andrea Bomberger in our house, otherwise known as Grammy. We welcome her today to the Life Has Purpose podcast.
3: Okay, of all the places that I get to travel and speak, I'm actually most excited About speaking to a very special person today. It's my mom. Woohoo! Hi, mom. (laughs) Hi. Andrea Bomberger, name of my mom, is with us today. In fact, she's our first guest. She is our first guest. It's so exciting
4: that our first guest would be somebody so special and so important. And it's perfect timing to um, spend some time chatting about Mother's Day and all things mother. Let's start with the really easy questions for you, Andy. I Well, before we even do that, I just want to say that I'm just so grateful that you were Ryan's mama. Me too. And I'm just so grateful that I have the husband that I have because you loved him so well. And I think that he's the daddy he is partially because of the mama that he had. Also, I say partially because Henry played a role, too. But, Andrea, you've been a blessing to um, not just Ryan but our whole family, and we love you so much. If you could help share your heart about what it means to be a mom, just as our starting place, I think that would be awesome.
5: Well, I look at being a mother. um, As I look at most things, being a mom is a commitment, I think getting married is a commitment. I think accepting Jesus as my Lord is a commitment. And I think that as a mother, I am accepting the child that God brings into my life, and I am making a commitment, an unconditional commitment to that child to love and to nurture them. I want to do that to the best of my ability as I know Jesus would have me do it.
3: Awesome answer. And I can give testimony to the fact that you did it really well. Mm-hmm. Now, no one is ever perfect, but you were the perfect mom for every child that came into our home. Mm. And people often ask me, Mom, <laughs> what inspired your parents to adopt? Because in people's minds, wait, your parents had three biological children first. You know, I call them the homemade ones. So they had, they had three biological children first. Why? Why did they adopt? Where did that heart for adoption even begin?
5: Uh, long story, <laughs> I was uh, five years old when my parents split up and my mother couldn't afford to and she couldn't afford to keep the house we were living in and she was told by her family doctor that there was a place called Christ Home about five miles outside of Lancaster and they took children, they were Christian home obviously there. They took care of children until their mothers could get back up on their feet or until they were adopted or some such thing like that. So Mom put me out there when I was five this summer. I think I knew about the Lord before that because I remember sitting on my dad's lap and telling him when he was drinking, he drank a lot. i tell him that he needed Jesus. But I don't recall anybody ever telling me that I had to actually ask. Jesus to come into my heart. And it was at Christ's home that that was explained to me. And I remember clearly asking the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. And when I did that, He not only came into my heart, but He showed me the purpose of my life. And from the time I was five, I knew that I wanted to adopt children. There were children at Christ's home who never saw their parents, the parents didn't come visit them. And, um, there was one girl there who had a handicap and never had anybody come visit her. And I felt so sorry for them. I felt so hurt for them because it hurt when my mom visited me, but at least my mom, and had to go away, but at least my mom came to see me. They had no one, a lot of them. And I just thought someday I'm going to adopt children. I don't even know how I knew about adoption. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from. But someday I'm going to take care of children who don't have anybody that cares enough to be with them. So that's when I learned to know about adoption, and that's when I got that in my heart and never, ever went away.
4: That's beautiful. And it's, it's just so telling of how precious the things that are in the heart of a child can be. And the yes. and commitment that you make, even at that young age, would really set the tone for so much more of your future life and your future family.
5: It's beautiful. Well, the other thing is, too, when I look back now, I think things that people look at as hardships in their life. My parents' marriage was a hardship for me. There was a lot of turmoil in that marriage. And they eventually did get back out together again, and I I went to live with them again, but all those things in my life were pointing me in a direction that God had planned, and He turned bad into good. Yeah. He
4: has a way of doing that. If we we let Him. If we let Him, and your precious the innocence of that childlike faith allowed for something that could have really ruined you to actually make you a strong person. And that's beautiful.
5: Yes. Mm
3: -hmm. And I would assume that that childlike heart that continued with you even into your adulthood had to be expressed at some point with the man that you fell in love with and married, Henry Bomberger, my dad. (laughs) Uh, So how did he feel about adoption? I mean, I'm assuming you guys talked about that before you got married, right? Or shortly after? When did you talk about adoption?
5: I I need to step back just a little bit to explain this because when I was six, I had a boyfriend and my mother said, you're too young. What are you talking about boyfriends for? And I told her, I'm not going to make the same mistake you made. At six years old, I was already checking out what made boys special or not special. So when I grew up a little bit more uh, and I started dating I would tell every boy that I dated more than one time that someday I was going to have ten children and I was mm-hmm. going to adopt a lot of them. And I either lost that boyfriend because he thought I was crazy. I would think so. <laughs> or they didn't believe me And until finally I convinced them and they dropped me. And <laughs> so when <laughs> When I was 16, now that sounds really young for most people, but I met Henry when I was 16, and he was the only one who thought that was a nice idea, Mm -hmm. to have a large family and to adopt children.
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, that makes sense, just knowing my dad and who he is, who he's always been. And you guys met at a Youth for Christ event, right?
5: Yes, down at Ocean City, New Jersey. Um, Youth for Christ had a week long retreat down there for the East Coast Youth for Christ uh groups. And that's where I met him.
4: So many girls keep the list, the running checklist of all the things their future husband has to, um, you know, has to be a positive, and I think that's the first time that I've ever talked to anybody that <laughs> that would be a particular, <laughs> yes, you check the list, and I think that's a pretty clear cut. When you find that, you hold on to that because that's, that's a really, that shows his heart in a huge way.
5: Yes, it did.
3: Uh, absolutely. That, that's the ultimate filtering process. Want 10 kids. <laughs>
0: Okay, you're good. Life has purpose. Hi, I'm Leah Bomberger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose with my mom and dad. Life is
2: never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be. when We allow exceptions.
6: Listen, download, and subscribe at lifeaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast, the special Mother's Day edition. We're continuing with part two of our phone interview with Andrea Bomberger, my husband's mama, my mother-in-law, who's the mother of 13, yes, 13 children, 10 of whom were adopted.
3: When you guys got married, and of course you had three biological children, and adoption was already part of your heart, obviously, before you got married. So when... You were in the adoption process, or at least talking about adoption, and adopting this biracial child, which I have to say, I was the first one adopted. So I am biracial, and I put that in quotes. I'm half black, half white. You had different kinds of reactions from your family. So how did family and friends react to your plans to adopt a biracial child?
5: Well, um, I'll tell you that story after I tell you another story first. We decided to adopt, and we had a hard time finding an agency who would adopt children to us because we could have biological children. And somebody in our church adopted from an agency of New York, and they adopted a biracial child. I didn't care what kind of child. I wouldn't set out to adopt a biracial or handicapped child. I just wanted to adopt children that didn't have family, and Mm. when I saw that they adopted this little boy from um, over in York, I asked immediately, who, how do you get there? Before that, I had thought there was going to be no agency. I actually remember sitting in my kitchen and saying, I was crying, and I said to God, we've tried between all of our our three other children, between the children, we tried to get in touch with an agency to say we wanted to adopt, and Lord, you you put this dream in my heart since I was five, and here we are, and there's no place that will adopt to us, and they won't even consider us, Mm -hmm. and I just said, okay, Lord, if, if you put the dream there, and if you don't have anybody that will help us, then I have to assume that you've changed what you wanted us to do and i have to just accept that and i was crying but i was saying i will accept what you want and it was the next week that we met that couple at church that had just adopted from over in york and wow. they gave us the name of the agency in york and i called over to them that week and they said we have a child who has just been born and Uh, And they told us all about your situation and your mother's situation, and we said, we're interested. And so we went over immediately after that. Like within a week, they started interviewing us and checking us, and you were with us by the time you were six weeks old. Wow. Wow
4: just to hear you share this portion of the story that I've never heard and to realize that it felt like this is too hard, this isn't going to happen, maybe, maybe this isn't what you had for me, Lord. And yet it was just you relinquishing that control and, some, and, and what you were praying for was literally right around the corner. That's precious.
5: Well, and don't you think, too, that if you don't relinquish it, I mean, I feel like he had to place me there because if I didn't let it go and I was trying to do it in my own strength when the hard times came, I would Mm -hmm. think I made a misstep. This way I knew I didn't do this. Lord, you did this. And so therefore I have to believe that you are going to take care of this. And Ryan, you asked me what did the family think about bi-racial adoption. I could say unequivocally, every one of them didn't think this was a good idea. Um, after all, this was was not an easy time in the United States. Martin Luther King, and all of that stuff was happening, there was unrest, and frankly, the black social workers did not like the idea of white people adopting black children, even though there were so many biracial and black children who were just languishing in foster care. So we were going against all the norms at the time. My father was, I never knew that he was a racially Insensitive person, but he certainly was. When I told him, he told me I should send my biracial child back, you know, because he would probably not grow up to amount to anything, and he was just going to make things harder for my biological children. And I, I was really hurt by his statements. Henry's father and mother basically didn't say very much at all, but I could tell they weren't thrilled. Uh, mm. But when Ryan came. And they would come over every Sunday to get our Sunday newspaper to read. They would sit there and they would watch him. They would hold him. They would start to play with him. And within two weeks, this was just a baby. This was a wonderful little baby. And they didn't wow. have a problem with it after that. My mother was, was uh, very supportive, but I think she questioned our sanity, too. <laughs> and, well, frankly, Ryan, you... You made me question my sanity.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was there to challenge you, to help you grow as a parent. That was Mm, my mission, my original mission in life. (laughs)
5: That was your original, yes.
3: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But, you know, with adoption, when it's in the abstract, it's really easy for people to reject it and to resist it and not fully understand it. But as you seem to be describing, when it became tangible, like for Grandma and Grandpa, and for Grandma Bose, who was always at our house, you know, throughout our lives, you know, wrestling with us. And there was never a notion in my heart, in my mind, that we were any different than the biological children. So right. something happens when it becomes tangible. Yes.
4: And now I think that happens yeah. with a lot of people's prejudices and and people's inclination to think negatively about a situation, um, when they find themselves walking into situations and seeing people face-to-face, we realize that we are one human race and we have more in common than what would divide us.
5: Exactly. Now, my father never changed his mind, but my father didn't know the Lord. He wasn't open to accepting God's love. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, my mother, she she's fine with, was fine with it, and so were Henry's parents. My whole life, I didn't know anything about the racial inequities in our country. I was so separated from it in the community in which I lived. I was totally shocked when I started learning what was happening in the world you might wonder how I could have been in such a cocoon, but I really was. And uh, it took me back. And I I remember when we first started the process, they would ask us, "What do you want for your child? What is it you're looking for for your child?" And I would put down in my written thing that I had to do, "I want them to be happy. I want them, I want them to grow up and be fulfilled." That was very naive. But the world was changing, and we did have a huge hope that the world would continue to change in terms of um, prejudice and people's minds on how they saw um, race. And maybe we were too optimistic, but it really did change from where it was, but it needs to change still even more.
4: Right, and I think that's just human nature, too. But You are really discussing, and you laid out so beautifully, really the culture at the time. We could feel that tension when we think back to the late 60s and the early 70s, and for your heart to be guarded enough that you were not dissuaded from following what really God had put in your heart from a very young age to really change the world. And Ryan was the first, so you have three biological children, and then you get over over the hump of, of walking through the uncertainties, the challenges, the joys of the first adoption. And then who knew that it was going to move into many years of many different situations, right? Because then you moved on to adopt nine other children.
5: Yes. Yes. We ended up uh, going to Tresler Lutheran Services for our second child, which was Derek. I, I never started out to Change the world. You, uh, I, I don't want to even suggest that that's where my heart was. I, I had no intentions of changing any world except a child's world because I didn't want children to feel like I felt when my parents mm. had to leave me and were, what the children felt like who were there and whose parents never came back. I didn't want any child to feel that. That's where my heart was. I wasn't looking at race or disabilities, that's not at all, was not at all in my mind. The second child came because the first adoption agency closed, and we learned about Tressler, and they were interested in the same thing, to place children who were out there waiting. And they were proactive in terms of letting you know how many children there were out there They liked large families, actually, Tressler did, and that was my heart, and that was the perfect place to be.
3: And with Derek, Derek is part Native American, part African American, black. Yes. So we had a family that was really mixed, white, black, and biracial, Native American, Vietnamese, And as mentioned, some with physical disabilities, some with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that it wasn't really your heart specifically to set out for any particular kind of child. But you ended up bringing in children from such vast backgrounds and some, some real challenges. So what would you say were some of the challenges of these adoptions? I mean, we don't have to go specifically into the individual, but... What were some of the challenges that you and dad faced?
5: Well, the first children, I think that had any limitations. Were children who were albino, black albino, and they had visual problems. I I didn't really think much about disabilities. I just Took the children that were available there that came in, that the Lord brought in to our lives. I have to tell you that each of the children had their own little miraculous way of being sent to us. And whenever I came up against problems in the future, I would always look back and say, the Lord sent them. It's alright because they're here and that's where He wanted them. I was told that one of the children was mentally challenged and uh, would require a lot of work to help him be able to learn. And that didn't turn out to be true. He's a very happy man, has a wife that he loves dearly, works with his church, has, has very special abilities. And,
3: and he's incredibly musically gifted. How about that?
5: Yes, he's very musically gifted. He has a very beautiful voice. He plays the piano. He, he's just uh, very gifted in that area. So every time I ran up against something like that, I would always just look back say, well, God brought him to us, God brought them to us, and we will deal with it somehow,
0: and uh, that's just the way I lived my life. Life has purpose. Hey, this is Justice Barberger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose.
1: every human life so irreplaceable i can't imagine life without you it's just unthinkable Welcome back to the Life Has Purpose podcast, the special Mother's Day edition. Today, we are interviewing my mom, Andrea Bomberger. And so we're now back to the third part of the phone interview, just talking about her incredible journey of raising 13 children, 10 of whom were adopted.
4: A lot of times in life, there's a lot less pressing issues and we feel like giving up. And so it really is important, even for our listeners, to hear your heart in this matter and to just be aware that there are going to be difficulties, whether it's through adoption, whether it's with our own biological children. I mean, in every area of life, there's going to be difficulties. But if we could just posture our hearts the way that you are even sharing right now, it's such a great reminder. What are some of the greatest joys or some of the things that you remember as just the highlights of having such um, a beautiful family?
5: Well, you know, um, at the beginning, I spoke of being committed, and we were talking about challenges. The commitment carries you through those challenges, and it also Mm -hmm. brings you the joy because... You don't quit and and you see the fruit of not quitting. I think of when we would go on vacations and we would stop to get something to eat and pile out of the car that had like eight bikes on or it wasn't a car, it was a van. It was a maxi van with about eight bikes on the roof, and we'd go into the local McDonald's that we always stopped at, and everybody would look at us, and I'd get really questions from people, are you a Sunday school class? Uh, Are you (laughs) something like that? And it would make me laugh because we I don't think I ever really stopped and thought a lot about what it looked like for us to come trooping through a restaurant or even to go and camp at a campsite. Um, But it was obvious that we were something really unusual and we get a lot of looks, but when we were with the kids in that situation, people would always say how the younger ones were taken care of by the older ones. They were mm. so impressed with that. And I thought, Lord Jesus, you're showing people all around us what it means to love each other. And that always gave me a special kind of joy. And I've had people talk to me about adoption after we adopted and Several families went on to adopt children, and that gave me particular joy because it wasn't just me that was doing that. God was getting other children into special homes, my Christian friends and stuff like that. And the joy in my heart right now is that in our family, those of my children who have grown up, got married, I've got you, Ryan, and uh, Dory, and Todd, and um, Nikki. And John, um, all of them have adopted children also, hmm. uh, even have cousins that have adopted children. It's amazing to me. My sister adopted children. So God just just keeps adding blessing to blessing, and that's great. don't want to give anybody the idea that it's all been blessings. Uh, we've had our share of everything you can think of.
3: Mm-hmm. I was probably the so, cause um, of some of the things that were not considered a blessing <laughs> once in a while, but I was the mild case. But please go on. Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. And actually, Ryan, remember the day I quit my job as mother? <laughs> oh. You did? <laughs> yes. There was a day when I, I didn't quit. Uh, Being a mother, I didn't give up on my commitment, but I'd had it that day. Nobody was doing their jobs, and I decided if they're not doing their job, I'm not doing mine. (laughs) (laughs) So I refused to do the wash that day. I didn't make the dinner or the supper, and I just said, I quit. Today's my day. I'm just (laughs) quitting today. And um, I think I got my point across because they did go back to doing their jobs.
3: So. It must have been traumatic for us because it was so traumatic that I I can't even recall the memory. So <laughs> well, I'm sure it was incredibly effective because the amount of work that you did as a mom, the amount of work that moms do in general, but you raised 13 teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> People will always ask, they ask me, how did your mom do it? And I'm sure they've asked you, what is it that enabled you and dad to survive? How do you answer people when they ask that
5: you've asked me that yourself with your kids you say how do you do it i honestly have no formula i don't know how i did it grace was given to me daily to do what i did i came from a family of me for nine years and a sister that was born when i was nine years old so essentially we were two single children in our family, and I only was uh, around a big family through our church. I knew a family that had nine children, and I thought they looked pretty cool, but um, I don't know how I did it. I just loved the Lord, and I hung on to Him the whole way through. Mm. I didn't even really know how to be a good mom. Um, Not that my mother wasn't a good mom, but she had so much on her plate. With my dad, I didn't have a lot of understanding how you go about doing that. It was just all whatever God gave me, people around me who who loved the Lord, and just learning to follow the Jesus. I, that's all I know.
4: And that's awesome. And there's so many moms who feel... Hey, this is too big for me. How am I going to do this? Especially we're in the midst of the COVID lockdown and yeah. so many parents are now even adding to their plate things like homeschooling or, you know, taking on even more. And yet it's never been a job that's meant to be easy I'm, I love what you have shared about motherhood is a commitment because it just means that we're committed to putting one foot in front of the other and there'll be days where, or moments that feel easy and for just as many moments that feel easy, there are moments that feel difficult and are challenging and yet we've made a commitment that we're not going to give up and we're not going to stop and we're going to keep moving forward and sometimes that means we're going to say I'm sorry, sometimes Sometimes that means we're going to sit quietly and separate ourselves from our children, but sometimes it just, whatever it calls for in the moment, the bottom line is that it is a commitment and is unconditional, and we just keep moving.
5: Yes, yeah, exactly.
3: I do have one other question, though, because I, this picture, this journey wouldn't be complete. You know, your journey that required a whole lot of faith and a partner who shared all this with you. So, could you just take a few moments to describe my dad, Henry Bomberger, your husband, to those who may not know him?
5: Yeah, he's he's such a wonderful person. Um, your listeners don't probably know that my husband has Parkinson's disease with Lewy bodies dementia for the last five years. Um, it's been pretty rough. Um, we're losing him piece by piece, but the man that I married would give his whole self to his family. Uh, He ran uh, a store that we've had um, at the time probably about 75 employees, and it's now up to 150 employees. He ran this store and yet never missed a beat with the family, always in touch with the family, never too busy for the family. He was there for me. Um, his first thing that he did in my life was just show me what unconditional love was like because I didn't know that. I didn't see that in my father. And he was just blessed my heart that way. And I, maybe I learned a lot about parenting from him. The bicycle rides he took you guys on all the time. He was there uh, to take our one son to horse shows. Every weekend, practically, when he was showing horses, he was there for all the games and stuff that he could get to. Just very precious person with a lot of love to give. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we needed in our house.
3: Beautiful. That's awesome. It, the journey couldn't have been complete without, I mean, you two were meant to be, and not only were you two meant to be, but every child that came into that home was meant to be your child. And so here we are years and years and years later. I mean, how many grand... I've I lost count. <laughs> Maybe you know the exact count. Do you know the exact count? How many grandchildren and great-grandchildren you have?
5: 31 grandchildren and 11 great-grandchildren.
3: Wow. Wow. Some of those grandchildren, of course, are through adoption. Some of those great-grandchildren through adoption. So it's just a beautiful mix. If people were to see the whole Bomberger family picture, it looks massive. I love when I get to show it at events. People are just in awe because they wonder, how did something like that happen?
4: Hmm. So Grammy, because that's who you are to, to all of us kiddos and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, what few words of wisdom would you share with all of your kiddos, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren?
5: Well, my first and most important thing is to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul. I used to say I wanted my children to be happy. There is no happiness outside of loving the Lord. It just doesn't last. It's mm. True happiness comes from following Jesus, and I've got children who haven't made that decision. I've have grandchildren that haven't made that decision, and I'm sure I will have great grandchildren. I just say uh, in my heart, it's not over until they're called to their last breath. But so it's not over till it's over, mm. and I just keep praying for them. I don't believe God brought them here or brought them to their parents' lives without having a purpose for them, and that purpose is to follow him, and that's what I want for them.
4: That's wonderful. Awesome. A family in all of eternity to be together. I can't think of any better words of wisdom.
3: And the great thing is that so many of your children and even some of your grandchildren are ambassadors of what you've poured into us so long ago and it's a beautiful thing to see that legacy and the the people that you're able to reach because of your faithfulness to god because of your faithfulness to to dad because of your faithfulness to every child every one of the 13 kids that you raised it's amazing to see that impact um and on this side of the heaven we will never see it fully which you know because that would just give us big heads. But on the other side of heaven, mm-hmm. how incredible it will be. I, I believe that God will lay out and say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And here's what has been able to happen because of your unconditional love. Yeah. Ma- Amen. Mom, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yes, being our thank first you,
4: Andrea. Yes. Yeah.
5: We uh-huh. love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Awesome. Love
1: you guys. You're listening to the Life is Purpose podcast. To celebrate Mother's Day, Bethany Bomberger, my wifey, shares her heart about being a mama in her article, Moms and Purpose.
2: No matter the circumstances surrounding becoming a mother, the ebb and flow of emotions and endless what ifs are all part of every mom's shared journey. We all experience the swinging pendulum from confidence to insecurity and back again when processing the gravity that comes with taking on this new role. And you know, I'm not just referring to the wonderful roller coaster of hormone induced mood swings. There's a a deep sense of responsibility that overcame me when I saw my oldest daughter's first ultrasound. She was only six weeks old, but her little heart beating, no bigger than a grain of rice, was enough to jolt me from any selfishness I had grown to accept as my norm. I will always remember the defining moment, the eve of that ultrasound, when I wholeheartedly decided to give my heart back to God. I conceived my first child out of wedlock and raised her essentially as a single mom for the first two years. I married my amazing husband, Ryan, just before my daughter turned two. He officially adopted her when she was five, and she knows the deep abiding love of a daddy because of him. You know, within a few years, we had two biological kiddos, my almost Irish twins, with three Young kiddos in tow, God orchestrated a beautifully scripted, albeit challenging, life-changing adoption of the most precious little three-month-old boy. And before we knew it, we were a family of six. Each experience of adding a proverbial charm to my mama's bracelet brought on a unique set of blessings and challenges. But instinctively, it has always been and will always be my deepest desire that my children love the Lord. My heart is that their lives and behaviors will bring heaven to earth. So I pray and then I pray some more. I relentlessly pour into each of my children because I believe that every private moment of planting good seed will reap a tremendous harvest. You know, I recently started rereading the book of John. John begins by preparing our hearts for the coming Messiah and then moves into Jesus's public ministry. Now, I have heard the story about Jesus turning water into wine a million times. He's at a wedding in Cana with his disciples and his mom, Mary, with definite expectation. Mary turns to Jesus and says, hey, they have no more wine. He quickly and gently replies, dear woman, what does this have to do with me? It's not my time yet. Mary dismisses Jesus's reluctance, turns to the servants, and without skipping a beat, tells them, whatever he says to you, do it. The servants get the water pots that Jesus asks for, and before their very eyes, he does his first public miracle. He turns everyday water into the most full-bodied, aromatic, award-winning wine John tells us that this was actually the beginning of Jesus' public miracles and the manifestation of His glory, quote, displaying His deity and His great power openly, unquote. Mary's behavior is indicative of a mother who believed in the calling on her son's life. She knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that He was God's Son sent to earth for a unique and powerful purpose. I believe that Jesus grew in favor with God and man, as Luke writes, partly because Mary helped shape his behaviors as only a mom could. Mary carried out her calling as a mother with great regard. I'm sure there were hours throughout Jesus' childhood and teen years where Mary experienced the presence of God through Jesus' wisdom and private miracles. She entertained conversations with him about the scriptures, shared the miraculous circumstances around his conception and birth, allowed him to get away and be with the Father when his siblings didn't have that same desire or the understanding. All the motherly caretaking, all the nurturing and protecting resulted in a mother-son relationship that was real and it allowed Jesus's full potential to be unleashed. She wasn't just chosen to be the birth son of God. She was chosen to propel him into his purpose. Mary ignored Jesus' hesitancy and in doing so, motivated Him to begin a new season in His life. Her commitment and love for the Lord, along with her need for a Savior as expressed in the Magnificat, helped shape the kind of mother she became and affected history. In the same way, I want to be driven by my love for the Lord, my need for a Savior, and the desire to cultivate a relationship with my children that will unleash their God-given purpose. Oh, I'm far from perfect, but I will not give up. I may get weary as I teach and parent and clean and re-teach and re-parent and clean some more. I may spend long, exhausting hours in private, working through sibling conflicts, praying for grace, teaching life skills, and studying His Word with my kids, the standard by which we weigh all things. But that's okay. These blessings, the few people on earth that actually call me mom, are worth my energy. I believe in the fingerprint of heaven that they bear. I believe in the purposes God has fashioned within them as He knit them together in the womb. I choose to be part of seeing them grow and develop, and will continue to nudge them to step out when it's time. Jesus needed a good earthly mama, and so do my kids. I'm Bethany Bomberger, and you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast.
1: You can read this and many more Radiance op-eds at radiance.life slash news. Hey, who do I have in the studio right now? Yeah,
6: Ray Ray.
1: Ray Ray Bomberger. (laughs) You know, Ray Ray, first of all, you're my, my 15, soon to be 16-year-old, I'm still trying to deal with the reality that you are moving into <clears throat> becoming a driver soon.
6: Justice doesn't want me to, he gets really freaked out. He's like, he's trying to drive. driving, he's like, tell mom I love her. I'm like, you're not gonna die. It's okay.
1: Why is it always mom? Why doesn't everybody ever, anybody ever say like, tell dad I love him? It's always mom. Mom, mom, mom. Like, all around the world. I mean, I'm not jealous or anything, but there must be something about moms. Yeah. What is it about moms? Okay, tell me, what is it about your mom? About my mom? Yeah, what do you love so much about your mom?
6: That she is always there for us. Like, whatever we're going through, she's always there for us. She loves us. She cares for us. She knows us all so well. Bringing us to places, to sports, even though when she's, like, super tired... Even when she's sick, she's just like, take Advil and keep going. It's
1: like, <laughs> but a, she's great. I don't, that sounds a little bit like abuse. <laughs> it sounds like you're running your mom no, to the ground. No, I love my
6: mom. <laughs> okay. I'll do anything for her.
1: And she definitely will do anything for you guys. Yeah. I mean, she does. And, you know, just from a spiritual standpoint, what is it about mom? But like, If you had to describe your mom to somebody else, what is it about her faith? What is it about her that stands out?
6: she's so kind and loving and everyone's around her. just has like so much peace. She's so great. Like even when things are like totally going downhill, you would never know it. She would never let it affect anything else. If
1: your mama was right here, right in front of your face, and you just had a few words that you were allowed to say, what would those few words be to her?
6: Hmm. Like a few, like three or like a few, like, (laughs)
1: like a guy's few. Like, like a one. guy's few, that
6: means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Guys don't talk as much as I do.
1: <laughs> How about a sentence? Like if you had to just say one thing to mom and celebrating her on Mother's Day, just what is that?
6: All right. My sentences will have a lot of commas. Um, <laughs> um, I love you. You're the best. I would never want anybody else. Thank you so much for being there for us. Just always, like I can't imagine life without you.
1: All right, here we are with my oldest son, Makai. Hello. Hey, Kai Guy, how you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm good. You're good, and you know, we've got a special day coming up. You know, when you think about your mom, you think about what she does for you, and you think about, you know, just every day. Like, who is mom? What is mom? Human. Okay, well, that's a, that's a start.
0: <laughs> Don't keep this.
1: I am gonna keep that. Are you serious? Yes. Okay, so other than human, what is mom to you? Superhuman. Even better.
0: Mom is always there for me and she always cares for me no matter
1: what I do. Your mom is standing right here in front of you and you just have a sentence or two to sum up all that you feel about your mama.
0: Mom, you're so important to me and you're such a great influence on my life. And you're always there for me, whether it's a basketball game or some other event or theater production. You're always the one there screaming the loudest. I love you, Mom. Who's your favorite child here? It's Aaliyah. Uh, uh, It's Aaliyah.
1: All right. Well, guess who we have in the studio right now? It's the very voice who is actually singing in the The intro and in the outro and some of the drops, it's Aaliyah Marie. Hey, sweetie. So we're here to talk about your very, very special mama. What does your mom mean to you?
0: Well, first of all, love you, mom. And I love her. She's amazing. She's hardworking. She's kind. She's loving. She's generous. She is super fun. I love hanging out with her. And she's just the best mom anyone could ask for.
1: You know, your mama loves you like crazy. And she loves just seeing in each of you all the different talents that God has given you, right? Yeah. And she just loves helping to bring that out. And so how about, you know, how about you give us something live? Like if you had to sing a few words to mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that look, I like it
0: We're going to have a talk about this outside
1: Uh, (laughs) But before we go outside
0: Uh Okay,
1: just sing a few words to mom Like if you had just a few words to put together Let's see, what could we
0: There's nothing like a mother in your life The Hmm. one who loves you, no matter what you do
1: So if mom was standing right in front of you Hi mom you have to tell mom one sentence what would that one sentence be i love you and with me we got my youngest my justice (laughs) hey bud hey oh my goodness i love having you guys in the studio and we're going to talk about something that you love talking about a lot how do you feel about your mom i love her so much yeah so what does mom mean to you someone just came up to you and just asked you like i'm doing right now How would you describe it? How would you tell them how you feel about your mom?
0: She loves us, she takes care of us, and she gave birth to two of us, three of us actually. (laughs) And She just loves us and she gives us what we need.
1: Yeah, she definitely gives you what you need and when you're hurting or sad, how does she make you feel?
0: She gives us big hugs. Big hugs.
1: And even though she didn't birth you, she loves you like...
0: Crazy. Oh,
1: my goodness. If mom were standing right here in front of you, other than giving her, like, the perfect hug, because you are, like, the best (laughs) hugger, I think, in the world. But if she were standing right here in front of you and you just had a few words that you could say to her, what would those words be to your mom right now? She's standing right here.
0: Thank you, and I love you. thank you for choosing me.
1: You and I are both adopted, right? Mm -hmm. And we both have birth moms, and we always share our thankfulness to our birth moms, right? Mm -hmm. So if your birth mom were here right now, what would you say to your birth mom?
0: I'd say thank you, and that under all the circumstances, you still gave me and put me in this amazing family. That you didn't choose abortion, and that I'm here today.
1: The world wouldn't be world wouldn't be the the world wouldn't be the same without you justice
2: oh my gosh i don't even know what to say
1: i think they knew what to say they love you like Mm. crazy
2: well i love those kiddos and my heart is bursting i just have to wipe these tears because not only is my heart bursting but apparently my eyes are too (laughs) I love being a mom. I love being their mom. So, to all the mamas out there biological, adoptive, birth moms, spiritual moms, grandmoms, my mom, happy Mother's Day.
1: I love you, Mom. And I love this mama right here in the studio with me. Mm-hmm. Her kiddos are so blessed. Thanks for listening to this special Mother's Day episode of Life Has Purpose. <laughs> love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback.
2: You can also listen or download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play or SoundCloud.
1: Remember, whatever may come your way
2: and no matter what people say, your, your
1: life has purpose.